You're listening to The Adventures of... Hello, adventurers. Oh, hi. This is The Adventures of Podcast. It's happening. My name is Christopher Paul Smith. And I'm Hannah Pernuski. And thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, hope your weekend's going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, we're shoot, or shooting this. We're recording this on a Sunday right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just figured we'd close the week off with a little, uh, little podcast. Yeah, always little... nice to learn something on the weekend. Yeah. You know, a little lounging, a little relaxing, a little sunbathing, a little mm-hmm. educating yourself on someone's life and passions yeah. and who they were as a human being. How romantic. <laughs> and it's also I raining outside, so it feels kind yeah. of appropriate to yeah. cap the weekend with a little something like this. Absolutely. We've with a little something like this. The tag team back like again. This. Anyway, um... Yeah, wherever you are, I hope you're well. And whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. I want to tell the listeners about a fun story. So last night we were driving back late at night and we saw something in the middle of the road and we both were like, oh my gosh, the hell is that? Mm-hmm. It looked like a big old cat, but it was kind of in like a weird position and it was just a shadow. It was perched like a scared cat. Perched. Yeah. Waiting to pounce. It was like down the street from our car, so it yeah. wasn't close to us, but it still felt like it was watching us. And the angle that it was perched, it looked mm-hmm. kind of like an optical illusion. It did. Was that just me? No, it did. It, okay. it looked like it could either have been a piece of trash or a large cat. Correct. Turns out, it was a giant ass possum. Yeah. Yeah. A trash cat. A trash cat. Yeah. And like possums, <laughs> a listen. trash cat. They're just trying to get home to their babies. Look, yeah. They're but trying to get they're trying to get theirs too, just they, like we're trying to get ours. Exactly. They're mm-hmm. just trying to get theirs. And while they try to get theirs, um, they cross the road. So drive safely. Please don't hit a possum and be careful because it's their if you world can help too. it. If yeah. you can help it. Yeah. Yes. We all you know, everybody has at least experienced that rogue bird or that rogue squirrel or some oh, kind of critter that jumps out. Right? Yeah, maybe we uh don't start the podcast. <laughs> oh, about dead rogue. <laughs> well, kill? because I'm going into um the trivia question, oh. and that trivia question is, what was the name of Dorothy's cow in the 1903 stage version of The Wizard of Oz? It wasn't Roadkill, was it? Definitely wasn't Roadkill. Um, I don't even think Roadkill was uh, a word then, because I don't think cars were around until, what was it, 1915, like the Model T? I don't know the history of vehicles. Okay. But well, I wish I, I did. Fact that check is, me there, folks. That is actually something very interesting that I would like to know. Maybe. Well, the assembly the assembly line, I think, was 1915. I think I the think Model T right. was a little after that. So there were electric, electric, there were Teslas back then. Yeah, there were uh-huh. electric cars in 1900. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There were motorized vehicles of some sort at that time. So yeah, maybe roadkill was a thing. But all that to say, yeah. the name Horse of kill. the cow was not roadkill. It also wasn't Daisy, because I think that no, was my wasn't. guess. Yeah, that was your guess. Okay. Yeah, so adventurers, mm-hmm. the question again was, what was the name of Dorothy's cow in the 1903 stage version of The Wizard of Oz? This was the trivia question from last week's episode. And that answer is? What is it? Imogen. Imogen. Imogen the cow. Imogen the cow. Mm-hmm. That's a cool name. I want to know the history of that name. Yeah, this, uh, this what is that called? The Like the um, origin of a name? Like the, there's like a, a there's, word for it. There is a word for it. Yeah. I can't open my computer right now. You know why? That's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would like to know the history of Imogen. Yeah. Well, we can look that up too. Yeah. Dorothy had a bunch of animals on her adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, she also owned a pinkish purple cat named Eureka and a hen <gasps> named Belina, both of which accompanied her throughout Oz. What were their names? Uh, Eureka was the pinkish purple cat uh-huh. and Belina was the hen, a talking hen. 
Eureka, and a talking cat. And Belina uh-huh. and Imogen. Mm-hmm. Eureka, Belina, Imogen. These are yeah. very um like dated names. Dated names and mm-hmm. several syllables. She didn't just name her cat like, you know, Kitty or something. Like but you, know, but you know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's like a children's story. So like shouldn't it just be like the, na- the cat's name is like Kitty? Yeah. Or you know, muffin or something. Of, muffin. Cookie, right, right, right. You know, right. a cookie. food. Cat name cookie. Instead, it is Eureka. There's your children's book. Although maybe I mean that's a beautiful word to know as a child. Eureka. Yeah. It means discovery. Oh. Eureka. Does it? Yeah. What in what language? I, don't know, I think that's the Latin origin of like the word Eureka. Oh, I did not know that. It's discovery or something okay. like that. Let's mark that down as like when we research the accuracy of mm-hmm. things that we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll report back on if we'll uh, check that. Yeah, check, we'll check that, that. Checking that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going forward though, today our adventurer today. Yeah, I'm super thrilled to talk about. I'm excited too. They are very, very badass. Oh, really? I'll, I'll give you that one. Okay. They are very badass. And you could take that. This is a very subjective term in a lot of ways. Badass about what, you might ask. Yeah. There's a lot of different kinds of badassery. Badass in the way that they did some really incredible things, okay. just like all of our adventures here. Yeah. I know I'm being very vague right now. Yeah, but, but you're supposed to be because I got to yep. guess. Mm-hmm. Well, so the reason why I can't open my computer, adventurers, is because the file that has all the information about the person that we're, I'm about to find out who it is, is on my computer. So can't open that up, bro. It's a bold surprise. But yeah. So as per usual, mm-hmm. three minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. Ready? Mm-hmm. Go. Is it a man? Yes. Okay. Is that man, um, uh, was he a, did he know how to play musical instruments? No. Okay. Uh, did he live before 1950? Yes. Is, did he die before 1950? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. Um, was he, did he live in Europe? No. Did he live in Africa? No. Did he live in uh, North America? Yes. Okay. North American before uh, 1950. Um, was he from the West Coast? No. Was he from the East Coast? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was he from New York? No. Was he from the South? Yes. Okay, a southern badass mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was he black? Yes. Okay, southern badass man, black man. Um, did he um, help to um, uh, run the Underground Railroad? Like that kind of time period? No, okay. but yes, that kind of time period. That kind of time period. Okay, mm-hmm. so he was some sort of like abolitionist fighting slavery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Um, gosh. Oh, okay. Was he, oh, um, was he, uh, very well educated? Not in the, uh, book smart sense. Oh, so not Frederick Douglass. No. Okay. That's a good Um, guess though. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Frederick Douglass was an incredible person. Yeah, he was. Um, Gosh, would okay, not in the book smart way. Was he really well educated in like creating, like making things? Like, no, okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, kind of, he was a businessman. He was a businessman. He was mm-hmm. a businessman. Yeah, I'll give you that. Pre 1950s, not what he's known for, though. Oh, the business was not what he was known yeah. for. Okay, all right. Was he known for leaving the South? Yeah. I mean, not like that wasn't his call to fame, but he did leave the South he for, did leave for a the time. South. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, did he do something really great for the people in the South or 
well, for the people in the South, I'm going to answer because yes yeah, no question. for sure. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you do great things for the people all over the country? Uh, yeah, sort of inadvertently. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Gosh, I've, again, I always feel like there's like probably people are listening to this. It's like, come on, man. It's this person. Don't you know? No, um, I will say this is a tough one. Is a tough one? Too, yeah. Do you think I would know this person? I don't know. Okay. Um, pre 1950. Just keep digging. We'll find out. Gosh. Uh, was he, did he do like community organizing? Was he in, was he at any way, was he in any way involved in politics? Yes. He was involved in politics. Okay. Thurgood Marshall? No. Oh. That was a good guess though. Thank you. You ready? I'm so ready. These are the adventures of Robert Smalls. Robert Smalls. I have heard that name, uh-huh. but I don't know anything about him. I, well, I can't remember if I do. Well, I feel like he was one of those guys that we kind of glossed over in history class because there's a very infamous story about him. Okay. This amazing feat that he did cool. during the time of the Civil War. Okay. Yeah. All so. right. Well, great. Let's let's learn about Mr. Uh, Smalls. And he's a, he's a low country boy. Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. nice. Love that. Love that. For those who don't know, Chris is from Charleston. Woo-woo. Shout out Chuck Down. Mm-hmm. 843, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's learn about Mr. Smalls. Yeah. Robert Smalls was born April 5th, 1839 in Beaufort, South Carolina to mother Lydia Polite. At his birth, his mother was a slave to John McKee, who unfortunately might have also been his father. Robert's upbringing was, as expected, incredibly rough. He was favored in McKee's household, but his mother insisted that he work in the fields to understand the plight of the other slaves. She wanted him to understand what their struggle really meant, witnessing the atrocities and treatment of slaves. These images would forever stay with Robert and influence his journey to fight for his enslaved brothers and sisters. Once Robert turned 12, his mother requested that he be sent to McKee's Charleston house to work as a laborer for $1 a week. Smalls was initially hired out as a waterfront lamplighter. As he came into his teen years, he started to work all manner of jobs on the Charleston docks and wharves. He worked as a longshoreman, a rigger, a sailmaker, and eventually became a helmsman. Those slaves were not permitted to have that title. It's basically like somebody who steers the ship. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. The, I mean, gosh, yeah. already done so much and we're not even too paragraphs Yeah, he's 12 in. years old. Wow. Robert became incredibly knowledgeable of the southeastern waters, especially, specifically Charleston Harbor and the surrounding inlets. None knew it better than Robert. He really, he studied, like he knew every square inch of Charleston Harbor, even Southern Georgia waters, um, the entire Southeast coast, basically. The guy just, he knew every, every square inch of that. That's so cool. Well, I mean, right off the bat initially, I mean, his mom encouraging him to be so attentive Mm -hmm. and intentional about observing the world. Yeah. Um, great. Sorry, I was going to say she... They were very specific about this in the Mm. research that because he was sort of, they were kind of pampering Robert early Mm. and she didn't want him to forget what everybody else was doing out there, how bad it was, Gotcha. you know, because he was favored in the household and stuff Mm. like that. Mm -hmm. On December 24th, 1856, at the age of 17, Smalls married Hannah Jones, an enslaved woman who worked at a hotel in downtown Charleston. She was five years older than Robert and already had two children. With the permission of their owners, they moved into an apartment and had three children together. Elizabeth Lydia Smalls, Sarah Voorhees Smalls, and Robert Jr. 
Sadly, Robert Jr. passed away from smallpox at the age of two. Oh, gosh. Shortly after their marriage, Robert aimed to purchase his family's freedom from his wife's master. Oh, wow. They agreed to a deal, but the price was too steep at $800. That's just over $24,000 as of 2021. Robert, at the time, only had $100 saved. God, just the fact that people ever... Uh, that he had to make a deal yeah, to get his family. Yeah, you know, it just turns your stomach. I mean, that's an understatement, and um, but it just... Yeah. Well, that was the thing, right? Because he was making $1 a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was making more than that, but he was only allowed to keep $1 a week. The rest of it went back to McKee mm-hmm. and Fuckface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can call him Fuckface. Yeah, sure. yeah. During Robert's time in Charleston, the tension of an already looming civil war finally snapped. The first shots were fired on Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor, April 1861. The Confederates attacked the fort for nearly two days before the Union surrendered. In the fall of that year, Robert, known for his knowledge of the local waters, was assigned to steer the CSS Planter, an ammunition transport ship, for the, for the Confederates. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Planter's duties were to survey waters, lay mines, and help the dispatch of troops and supplies. The ship was overseen by Captain Rilea, who weirdly shared a similar look and disposition to Robert. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they, they were almost, like, identical. Huh. Yeah. Over the next few years... Union ships lined the coast of Charleston and surrounding beaches, trapping the Confederates and confiscating any contraband that tried to sneak through. This included slaves that found refuge under Union flags. So yeah, Civil War, obviously, it was a really Mm -hmm. dangerous war. Yeah. And he was kind of thrown into it because of his knowledge of the waters. Okay. Um, And you said he was assigned to steer the CSS planter. mm -hmm. I would imagine maybe he had no say in the matter. Yeah, because he was already working for the Charleston Harbor. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like, you work for the Confederate Army now. Yeah. I mean, this definitely wasn't a time um, he, didn't have a choice. he could have a say, right? Yeah. Which is so fucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was- and he was too valuable. His knowledge of the yeah. area was priceless. Yeah. You know, especially for their, their fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little fun fact too. Mm-hmm. So we sailed around the Charleston Harbor. We did. For, for your friend's birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny because I was thinking about this the entire time. I was really? like, yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder. you said, yeah, you said you were so excited to talk about uh-huh. so a, a certain subject on the podcast because of their experience in that harbor. Mm-hmm. Wow, that really, that almost kind of gives me chills too, just to kind of think about because, yeah, like it's the same waters, it's the same coastline that he saw yeah. um, all those years and years and years ago. A couple hundred years ago. This very point. different world. Um, yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, and then we went to Charlestown Landing. And we kind of saw a little bit more of that. I mean, that was definitely, I think, more during the like Revolutionary War period, mm-hmm. like that kind of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, but those waters were still really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really old history in Charleston and a lot yeah. of it not that great. It's insane. Yeah, a lot of it not that great. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to anybody that's listening that's never been to Charleston, at least go visit. Mm-hmm. It's a fun place. There's mm-hmm. always something to do. The Charleston, Charleston Battery is great. Yeah, go um, visit. It's a great town. And also know the history of the place that you're in. Yeah, for sure. We should know the history of this country so that we don't repeat it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the spring of 1862, almost a year after the war started, Robert began to formulate a plan. This is where he really starts to take... This is his... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inciting incident? Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is his inciting incident. Okay. The Union blockade which was still along Charleston's coast, spanned nearly seven miles. 
Robert, along with the rest of the enslaved crew, except for one, would sail past the Confederate checkpoint to safety. It was only a matter of when. On May 12th, the planter was set to travel 10 miles southwest to Coles Island, where a Confederate outpost was being dismantled. The ship picked up four large guns set for a post in Charleston Harbor. Once they returned, it was loaded with 200 pounds of ammunition and 20 cords of firewood. I looked up a cord. A cord of firewood Mm -hmm. is like, I think, 2,000 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of... No, no, excuse me. Wait. I think 20 cords was 2,000 to 3,000 pounds. Okay. I could be wrong about that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a lot of... I don't know about the... A unit of firewood is called a cord for anybody that doesn't okay, know. Okay, got it. A unit of firewood is called a cord. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, but like, I, I don't know how much those old ships used to be able to carry mm-hmm. and weight, but that combined with 200 pounds of, of ammunition, I mean, 200 pounds about the size of like, you know, one and a half people. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were big yeah. boats. They were, yeah. you know, sailing vessels. Yeah. You know. Wow. They could go up and down the coast, like no mm-hmm. problem. Sure. Okay. Later that evening, the planter was docked outside of General Ripley's headquarters. The three white officers on the ship, in charge of it, left to spend the night ashore. Robert and the crew would stay on board, as was their routine. Before Captain Rylea departed from the ship, Robert asked if his family and those of the other slaves could come on board to visit. He agreed, as long as they left before curfew. Once the families arrived, they were notified of the plan. Shit's about to go down. Oh man, this is really wow. Okay, yeah. so they were they were formulating this escape. Yeah, like getting the timing absolutely. down. Mm-hmm. So why not tell yeah. your folks about it? We're about to go do this crazy. Yeah, thing. Yeah, get on the ship. You want to leave? Blink twice. Let's go. Uh-huh. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Get out. Get yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Just before curfew, three crew members escort the family off the boat and head home, but double back to the North Atlantic wharf to hide on the on another vessel. Around 3 a.m., Robert and his skeleton crew embark for the Union blockade. Smalls adorned Captain Rylea's uniform and a similar straw hat that became recognizable recognizable by the Confederate soldiers. Mm. Robert maneuvers the planter to the North Atlantic Wharf to pick up the other families and the rest of the enslaved crew. Once everyone was aboard, they had to sail past not one, but five different Confederate harbor points. Five? So they snuck by five? Five, uh, yeah, five wow. point checkpoints. Okay. Along their way through the harbor and during the dead of night, Robert gave all of the appropriate signals through each checkpoint. Robert copied his old captain's mannerisms as closely as he could to fool onlookers to the ship. With all the families under the deck, the planter finally approached the heavily armed Fort Sumter. Fort Sumter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw it out there. I did see it out there. We talked about this. Okay. Yeah, so there was an account of... um, Robert talking to his wife. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they got this information. It could have been made up, some fabricated thing. Mm-hmm. But she basically said, I can't believe you're doing this. We're all going to freaking die. Oh, wow. Um, but she came up to the gumption like, where you die, I die. And that was that. Those were the stakes. They were ready to sacrifice it all yeah. for safety. Yeah. And this was in the dead of night. It's three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it just terrifying. Oh my gosh, so terrifying! But like, yeah, that is that is some serious gumption and bravery and courage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it makes me think of people now these days that are fighting for safety and asylum somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to leave your home and try to go into 
uh, unknown lands mm. to find a better life for yourself. And that's something that should be respected and valued. And I will fight for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's really amazing that, I mean, she sounds like a smart person, you know, she wasn't just like, Oh yeah, sure. Oh, let's yeah, do no, it. Like she yeah. was probably very, very scared. Careful very about it. Careful. Yeah. yeah. But that's really impressive that they like hunkered down and they did this and, but it was so well yeah. thought out. Yeah. Like in the fact in this, in just the sheer coincidence that he looked so much like the captain of the ship. Did they say like how, like in stature, I guess? I think it was just his disposition because he was, uh, Robert Smalls, ironically, was a bigger guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and Captain Rylea was basically the same thing. They had a very similar body type, mustache at night, probably similar silhouette. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. Gotcha. Several of the men on board encouraged Robert to take a wide berth to avoid the chance of being noticed. Robert refused, suggesting it would raise suspicion. Clever. Mm-hmm. With slow pace, they crept past the fort. From the walls, they flashed the challenge sign. This was from Fort Sumter's side. Mm-hmm. Like a cool cucumber, Robert responded with the correct hand signals. Wow. There was a brief pause. Robert and the crew suspected they might have been discovered. After what felt like an eternity, all the men and families praying, Fort Sumter signaled all was well. Wow. The alarm was raised before it was too late. Robert and the planter made it to the Union blockade and their freedom. They were approached by the USS Onward, who thankfully noticed the white flag that expeditiously replaced the rebel banner. Like something from a movie, they were greeted by the morning sun and their success. Wow, that's really incredible. I mean, I can see the picture in my head. When you say the alarm was raised before it was too late, help Mm -hmm. me understand that. At Fort Sumter, on Fort Sumter, they get past the blockade, Mm -hmm. or they get past Fort Sumter, Mm -hmm. and they realize, oh shit, that's not them. Okay. That's not Captain Rylea. That's not the crew. So I hate to be a know-it-all, but then I sure. think I think what you mean is the alarm was raised after it was too late. Yeah. What did I say? The alarm was raised before it was too late. So then. Oh yeah. Then they correct. Yeah. Been called out. Okay. Thank you, Grammar Nazi. All right. Well, it's true. So no, the alarm right. was raised after it was too correct, late. Correct. You are. Yes. So it was too late for anybody to try and take it back, and Robert Smalls made it to safety. He sure did. He sure did. Yep. He could read and write too. Apparently, he I can. He could read and write, and you can too. <laughs> You're also human. I'm just teasing. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So, I just I would love to have seen the look on that person's face when mm-hmm. they realized, like, oh shit, that's not them. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, there was an eyewitness account too that I guess they just journaled everything back then, so that's yeah. how they got all this information. Yeah. But he was saying that. Whenever the planter made it past Fort Sumter mm-hmm. and they raised the flag, they could see from the deck they were just dancing and shouting and singing the yeah. heart of the South, the heart of the South, oh, you know. Yeah. And yeah, the sun basically greeted them as yeah. soon as they arrived at the blockade. That's it's beautiful. literally poetic. It's so amazing to think about. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's really incredible. Yeah, and it just gets better. Robert is not done here. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to reserve some more of my comments for later. Gotcha. Robert's actions were sent to the onwards commanding officer, Captain E.G. Parrott. What a great name for a Navy captain. Yeah, seriously. In addition to the guns and ammunition already gathered from Coles Island, Robert also gave the Union a captain's code book containing Confederate signals and a map of mines and torpedoes scattered throughout Charleston Harbor. Captain Parrott again forwarded this information to command- Commodore DuPont. Robert's knowledge of the Charleston waterways allowed the Union to take command of the Coles Inlet and its surrounding batteries. Holy crap. That's so cool. Yeah. So they... He was a spy. Pretty much. I mean, well, sort of like 
subsequently he was a spy. Yeah. Um, because he knew he just knew it all, and he had literally he just gave them all the information. Nice. Here's everything you guys need to know about mm-hmm. the Confederate side of the mm-hmm. Charleston Harbor mm-hmm. and everything going down basically past Savannah. Oh wow. Yeah. At the age of 23, Robert was quickly becoming a hero of the North. The U.S. Congress passed a bill awarding Smalls and his crewmen the prize money for obtaining the planter, a prize ship not only for its guns, but its speed. Robert's cut was around $1,400, roughly 40000 just over $40,000 as of 2021. They would argue later that it wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, for the information that you just gave them? Yeah. Yeah. But he'll, he'll get his due. Good. DuPont wanted Robert to serve in the Union Navy due to his knowledge, but was allowed temporary leave to attend business in the North. In August 1862, he and Reverend Mansfield French started the Wilberforce University in Ohio. Oh, cool. The first college to be owned and operated by African Americans. Oh, wow. He was also sent by the American Missionary Association to help with to help formerly enslaved in Port Royal, to help the informally enslaved in Port Royal. Mm-hmm. The AMA also requested that African Americans were allowed to fight in the war. The Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, alongside Lincoln, allowed 5,000 African Americans to fight. This group would be recognized as the 1st and 2nd South Carolina Colored Regiments. I have heard some about them in some history classes, but would definitely love to learn more about what that must have been like. Smalls worked as a civilian for the Union Navy and Army until March 1863. Robert was present at 17 major battles and engagements. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of fighting. During his tenure with the Navy, he was made a helmsman of the Crusader. That's badass. Yeah. Once the planter was finished with repairs, Robert continued to pilot that ship and a few others for the rest of his involvement throughout the Civil War. He also piloted the Ironclad, the USS Keokuk, a steamer, the USS Isaac Smith, and two gunboats, the USS Huron and the USS Paul Jones. Another daring exploit of Robert Smalls happened on December 1st, 1863. Robert was piloting the planter under the command of Captain James Nickerson. They were sailing past a Confederate battery at Secessionville when they opened fire. Nickerson wet his pants and hid in the coal bunker. Oh my gosh. Robert took the helm and steered the ship to safety for fear that his African-American crewmen would not be treated as traditional prisoners of war. Yeah, for sure, yeah. After this encounter, Robert was finally promoted to captain and made acting captain of the planter. Hell fucking yeah. How That's even more poetic, right? Yeah, he, now he becomes great. the real captain of the ship that helped uh, attain his freedom. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that is poetic. That is beautiful. Uh, 1863, and he was born in what year? 18... 1839. Yeah. So he was 24. Mm-hmm. He was 24. Yeah. Just conquering shit. Just conquering shit. Oh my gosh. This guy's yeah. incredible. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Cool. At 24, <laughs> At becoming 24, man. the- Starting business, starting a college, yeah. starting like saving the war. Right. You That's know? incredible. What a life. Oh my gosh. That's already. really, yeah, already. Wow. So badass. That's so cool. At the end of the Civil War, Robert returned the planter where it all started in Charleston Harbor for the raising of the American flag at Fort Sumter, April 1865. Man. A beautiful full circle moment. Robert was discharged from the military June 11, 1865, but he continued to pilot the planter serving a humanitarian mission bringing food and supplies to freed men who lost their homes and livelihood during the war. Oh my gosh. Just before his discharge on December 30, 1864, 
Robert was waiting for repairs on the planter when he was removed from an all-white streetcar in Philadelphia. The incident of humiliating a public hero sparked one of the first mass boycotts of segregated public transportation. A law was finally passed to integrate streetcars in 1867. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know what? And I think I think that's that is why I've heard of him. That's the story. That that yeah. was the story that why his name sounds familiar. Um, because I, I remember learning something about it being yeah the first um mass bo- or sparking the first mass boycott mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean such a war hero such a heroic person and then to be humiliated in that way that's just awful yeah and he was i mean he was known everywhere yeah all over the north especially yeah you know where freed slaves were or you know freed men were yeah um and i can't imagine like I wonder what his face must have been like. What, how he reacted? I mean, I'm sh- the coolest of cucumbers. I'm sure he was totally like, or maybe like, not, gonna, or maybe, or maybe he was not. Pissed? As I, he I would. Be? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. maybe. It does sound like he's like someone that definitely kept his head about him all the he's time. He's fucking. Ch- he, he was, was a cool, like, cool. He, the dude is taking gunfire and cannon fire. He's fine. I mean, if he punched somebody in the face, sure. Understandable. Und- so. <laughs> understandable. I'll take so. the second shot. Yeah, absolutely. After the war, Small started many business ventures. In Beaufort, he and Richard Gleaves opened a store that served the needs of freed men. He also invested significantly in the infrastructure of Charleston-Beaufort region. Robert, along with Congress representatives Joseph Rainey and Alonzo Rainsier, built the Enterprise Railroad, or started the Enterprise Railroad, an 18-mile horse-drawn railway used for cargo and passengers between the various Charleston wharves and inlets. Wow. With the exception of one white director, the railroad's board of directors was entirely African-American. That's great. Yeah. In 1872, Smalls owned and operated a black-owned newspaper, the Beaufort Southern Standard. While learning to read and write, he purchased a two-story building to use as a school for African-American children. While he was learning to read and write? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, we're going to do it all together, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take in some information. I'm going to do some shit with it. That's right. We're going to learn together, kids. Absolutely. He purchased his former master's house at 511 Prince Street. What? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was seized by the Union tax authorities uh, because they refused to pay taxes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but, he, that, but that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. What a beautiful moment. He's like, uh, this is mine now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. His mother, Lydia, lived with him for the rest of her life. He also allowed his former master's wife, Jane McKee, to live out the rest of her life in her former home. That's lovely because he's a class act. He's a class act, man. Like, God, I can't. And he's still, I mean, he's what? Uh, Let's see. This is 1872. Um, he was. 39. Yeah, he was 40. I mean, God, just, man. Not that old still. Yeah. Well, and he like, what a man of principle. And he fought for what he believed in. And he said something. He did something. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you, you can see the, the, the trend of like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm yeah. going to learn something and then do something really big with it to help right. myself and the people around me and not be afraid. I mean, just the courage. Yeah. Like the, the sheer force the- of will to do something with your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The cojones on this guy. The cojones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. The dude just conquered, man. Yeah. Over the rest of his life, Robert participated in state and national politics as a member of the Republican Party. Kids, just so you know, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party were completely different during the Civil War. Yeah, fun fact, they sort of started out the total opposite of what we know of them now. Right. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, was a Republican. Mm Mm-hmm. 
just so you kids know, if mm-hmm. you didn't already. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that it's just weird. History is freaking weird, man. Yeah, politics is weird. In general, mm-hmm. correct. In 1868, he was a delegate for the South Carolina Constitutional Convention, where he was part of the effort to make free schooling available to all South Carolina children. That's cool. Later that same year, he was elected to the South Carolina House of Representatives, where he introduced the Homestead Act and Civil Rights Bill. He was part of it anyway. At this point, I'm not surprised. Like, was he? Can he also boom, be boom, president? Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, he might as well be. Damn. His ability to speak the local Gullah dialect allowed him a specific avenue for success. Oh. In 1874, Smalls was elected to the United States House of Representatives, where he served two terms from 1875 to 1879. Nice. He was the second longest serving African-American member of Congress right after his contemporary and business partner, Joseph Rainey. Joseph Rainey. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, it's really amazing. Um, like the Gullah. Uh-huh. Do you know anything about the Gullah? I don't know. I've heard that term before, but I don't know anything. It's a lot. Of, it's uh, So it was basically like a, a culture in the Southeast, okay. specifically like Charleston, basically Charleston all the way down to Savannah, Georgia. It was a mix of like the Creole language with African... Um, What's the word? Inflection. Yeah. Well, African um, tradition. Ebonics? Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, there's still some people. I don't. I mean, it's a dead language now, but I think there are some people that still can speak it, oh. like certain parts of it. I would like to learn more about that specifically, though. With the Gullah. Gullah. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't personally know much about it, but um, we can dive into it a little more. I'm going to dive into it. And if there's a listener out there that knows about the Gullah yeah. culture, feel free to write us. And yeah. Let us know. Educate us. We want to learn. The adventures of pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. We want to learn and we want to do our own learning too. Yeah. Any Charleston historians out there or historians in general that want to speak on this, we'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. Robert's first wife, Hannah, died on July 28th, 1883. On April 9th, 1890, he remarried a Charleston schoolteacher, Anne E. Wig, who bore him a son, William Robert Smalls. Robert Smalls Sr. passed away on February 23rd, 1915, at the age of 75. He was buried on the family plot in downtown Beaufort. His monument in the churchyard is inscribed with a statement he made to the South Carolina legislature in 1895. My race needs no special defense. For the past history of them in this country proves them to be equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. Amen. What a life. And 75? 75. Like during that time? Yeah. He lived a long life. That's a long life for that time. Yeah, absolutely. To sur- survive all of that. Yeah. All the battles. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, he clearly already had a ton of strength and character. Yeah. Um, And uh, just, gosh, just lived so intentionally. I mean, he just did so much with his time. Yeah. He did, unfortunately, die of malaria and diabetes, mm. um, something that he did battle with, I'd imagine, through most of his life. Not the malaria, obviously, but um, yeah. Yeah, but still a very long life. Um, yeah. and 75. Did, 75. Man. And I did look up more about Gullah people because I felt like that we should educate ourselves. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the Gullah are African-Americans who live in the low country region of South Carolina and Georgia mm-hmm. and includes both the coastal plain and the Beaufort Sea Islands. They're known for preserving more of their African linguistic and cultural heritage than any other African-American community in the United States. Um, they, The Gullah Geechee people are descendants of Africans who were enslaved on the rice, indigo, and sea island cotton plantations of the lower Atlantic coast. Many came from the rice-growing region of West Africa. And it says that the Gullah culture is still very much alive. 
uh, in parts of South Carolina predominantly. Um, There's lots of Gullah recipes available and Mm -hmm. um, stories of the Gullah people and their culture. And you can, yeah, easily find more information about it online. Um, There are over 500,000 Gullah living between Jacksonville, North Carolina and Jacksonville, Florida today. Over 5,000? Over 500,000. Oh, 500,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It's just, that's such a unique term and to have grown up in Georgia, north Mm -hmm. of Atlanta and, and have not really heard it or know much about it. Um, yeah, it's very strange. We, you know, we didn't, we don't learn, we learned about it a little bit in school, um, specifically when we were talking about the civil war. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we never, unless you really like knew Charleston, if you know Charleston, I mean, I haven't been back in like really back in a long, long time. But yeah, Geechee was always something that we would talk about, like, because there's a very specific um, kind of dialect like Geechee has. um, Because it's also not just to refer to like a people, but also like the the way, like the dialect of the Gullah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, love Geechee. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's, It's a fucking awesome name. Like the Geechee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm just getting lost in like finding out more information about it. Um, but also I think we should just go back to South Carolina and go see some of these really interesting historical spots. Yeah, we can for sure. There are several, um, Gullah Geechee historical spots suggested to check out in the low country near Charleston. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just a quick little drive. Mm-hmm. We'll do that next time we're down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, that was Robert Smalls. Robert Smalls. Larger than life, though. Larger than life, for sure. Yeah, Larger yeah. than life, for sure. Wow. Like, I mean, just, yeah, the cojones on this man. Yeah, it's I mean, insane. Yeah, like, just every piece of his life was impactful. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, maybe maybe that's an overstatement, for sure. But, like, well, yeah, I mean, the amount of things that he did. Yeah. I mean, gosh. Like, he changed. And the thing is, is, like, he did so much mm-hmm. for... First of all, South Carolina history, mm-hmm. but also like nationally, mm-hmm. he did so much. Mm-hmm. And why do we? Why? Why is he not talked about more? Mm-hmm. The dude should have a fucking national holiday. To be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. like I read somewhere too that they were trying to make a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it's a, I think somebody had bought the rights to a script or something a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and it hasn't been made yet. But mm-hmm. man, I will be in that theater watching that thing. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, this is our endorsement for making a movie about Robert Small. That's right. Please and thank you. Somebody out there, for God's sakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I mean, just the impact of his bravery is evident in you know how things played out in the civil war mm-hmm. um how things turned out for that region and then you think about all of the railroads and um the fact that he was able to not only create a school for african american children but also start a railroad that mm-hmm. helped to bring supplies to people who needed them yeah. those are two really impactful things and he saved a bunch of people during the war yeah and, you know, he was in the House of Representatives and yeah. affected policy and on a state and national level. Yeah. yeah. On a state and national level. Yeah. I mean, and, what they, a guy. and he started a business that was specifically for freed men, mm-hmm. you know, to like mm-hmm. help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find out what that was, mm-hmm. but I'd imagine it was something sort of like, like a catch all mm-hmm. basically. Like, what do you need? 
what do you need? You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he's a bloody legend. Yeah, and just I just the the character that it takes to live that life and then escape and then want to keep going and do something really good. I just think that's really incredible. Yeah. He kept it going. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are, Robert Smalls, hats off to you, man. Yeah. Rest well, my friend. Rest you well, buddy. Lived a life. You have so fucking earned it, dude. Uh-huh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really incredible. I, f- I feel like I, I learned a lot in this one. That was really, that was really incredible. Um, Felt fun to talk about. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Well, Adventures, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was something incredibly striking about Robert's story. Um, having done some research and kind of listening or just thinking about it. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll end today with uh, the trivia question. Um, is there anything else we should add beforehand? Also, shout out to my mom, Sherry, for giving a suggestion for Robert Smalls. Woo woo. Yeah. She really came in clutch with this one. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that suggestion. Seriously, this was this such an interesting human to learn about that I did not know anything about before. Really. Yeah, she just, I was like, holy shit. That was, she was reading it to me one night and I was just like, what? This is, the person I was planning to talk about mm-hmm. for this one, mm-hmm. they're later down the list now. Okay. Because wow. Robert Smalls was yeah, taking precedent. Yeah, he moved right on up there. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. like, oh, you think you need a hero and then a representative and then someone also who started business that was intentional and in helping people? Yeah. I got you. Yeah. For sure. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Sherry. Thanks, Mom. We love you. But yeah, adventures. Um, as per usual, we'll end the episode with a trivia question that you'll get the answer for next week. Mm-hmm. Hannah, do you want to read this one? I would love to read this trivia question. I'm still sitting in just the life that that guy lived. That was well. Hell, we'll we could we'll follow up about it next week. Sure. All right. So the trivia question. Here we go. What was the fastest ship during the Civil War? That's it. You don't have to answer that because we'll do it next week. Now I know the answer. You do. It's fine, man. I can give you freebies here and there. Oh, thanks. Um, That, yeah, the fastest ship during the Civil War. And I wonder how they, this sounds so silly, but how they made it fast because were there, were there some sort of motors on ship? I mean, there were some steam engines and things like that. Yes, right. Okay. Um, But that wasn't like, it was mostly... We'll talk about it next week. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more. I can sit here and talk about it for till the end of time. Yes. But yeah, uh, thank you again, listeners. And I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Yeah. Um, if you have the answer to the trivia question, if you did a little research yourself, email us at theadventuresuppod at gmail.com. If you have stories about family members or other people you think you find interesting, mm-hmm. we want to find them interesting too. So email us again at theadventuresuppod at gmail.com and let us know. Thanks again for your time, and um, I hope you're listening to this on a road trip somewhere. Yeah. Summertime's here, baby. Enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. As, safely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I that, that was so much fun, but I just think that the, the, history of the, history, the history of the South is so crazy and wild and, you know, really awful and terrible, um, but to learn about a guy who just was incredibly uplifting, I mean, what an uplifting life. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel very inspired by the life that he led. Um, And I hope everybody else does too. For sure. Till next time. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.